Hi, Rosie. Hey, Nick. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Life yeah? is good. Yeah. So for anyone who's not familiar with you and, and what you do, can you tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and what you're working on these days? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure like how quickly I can say it. Um, yeah, I call myself a community builder. Uh, at the moment, I work for Orbit. And previously, I was doing community at Indie Hackers. And then previous to that, I bootstrapped or Indie Hacked uh, Ministry of Testing, which was my uh, a community for software testers. So I did that for about 10 years. And um, yeah, I, I guess like a big part of me and like who I am online as well is I'm, I'm a mother, uh, a 5X mother, I call myself these days. I've got five kids. Uh, we unschool them. So we kind of reject society a bit. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm a, yeah, reckless mother as well. So, you know, I've, I've been, I've been in the news about being reckless. So yeah, that kind of. Really? Okay. Wait, yeah. you, you can't bring that up without that. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit. How did you get in the news for being a reckless mother? Uh, I, basically, um, I was running along, uh, the beach. So I live in Brighton in the UK. Um, and I had dropped one of my kids off at a football session and one of my younger girls, um, was with me and I go running with, with, a, with a, you know, with a buggy um, or stroller as, as Americans might, might call it. Um, and yeah, it's just like something I do. It was windy. It gets windy in Brighton and the waves were like kind of crashing up against, against a, the kind of not cliffs, but it's like, um, I don't know what you call it actually, just, um, it's kind of the harbor kind of area. Um, but yeah, I take, I, I've always taken selfies when I run, like either at the end or like in the middle, if I, you know, if there's like an opportunity for like a, a, a photo, you know, a nice photo. So I stopped to take selfies, um, and take pictures of, of the waves that were crashing down. And, um, yeah, apparently there was someone up on the cliff, like taking photos of me doing that. Uh, and then they, they, they use that as an opportunity to like call me like a, basically a reckless mother that I was endangering my, my child running so close, uh, to, to the 15 foot waves, which they were not at 15 foot. And it was just like, you know, the splashes were maybe got up to 10, 10 feet or something, but like all around me, it was completely dry. Um, so yeah, I got into the Daily Mail. Um, I think the New oh, York wow, Post. Oh wow, the Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. That's uh, my claim to fame. <laughs> but, but they had no idea who I was, which is a funny thing. So, uh, so I wasn't named. It was just like you know this. You know, they were just like calling me out as a crazy, reckless mother. Um, and I only found out because someone DM'd me on Instagram, who had obviously like seen some of my. She had been following me and my my running stuff. And she was like, is this you? <laughs> and I looked at it, I was like, oh my God, it is. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story behind that. Wow. Um, <laughs> and okay. So, and give us a peek inside like unschooling. Cause I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are familiar with, um, or at least vaguely familiar with homeschooling, um, compared to traditional education, but like, what's the, what's the quick skinny on what's the difference between unschooling versus say homeschooling? Yeah, I think my quick definition is it's, I guess more self-directed, and it's more about uh, not falling into the traps of following a curriculum. Um, 
Um, and it's about looking in e- each of your children. So like when you have five, you have, it's like you need to kind of like look at them individually. And I think like the school system is very, you know, one way or no way. Um, so yeah, we've got, we've got five kids. So we, we try, we try our best to treat them in the way that is, is best for them and go at the pace or do the things that they're, they're interested in. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's awesome. It's so admirable. But as I'm discovering with, with a few little kids of my own, it's surprisingly hard. Like it's such a nice thing to say in theory, like, oh yeah, all my kids are different and I'm going to, I'm going to treat them as such. But it, it's, it's surprised me as a parent, how, how easy it is to slip into kind of thinking of your kids as basically the same and sort of doing the same thing for, if nothing else, from my perspective, just for like efficiency purposes, like as a parent, you're kind of stressed out and like overwhelmed. And like, um, but I don't know, like what do you, do you struggle with that um, as kind of a, a mom and unschooler? Yeah, I mean, I think there's struggles all the time. I, I won't claim to like, you know, I think it's easy to say, like, treat your kids differently. But um, the reality is like, how how do you practice that in, in reality? And it's like, how do you make sure like, you know, your kids feel that as well and, and acknowledge that, you know, th- that they're treated in a way that they're happy with and that there's not that, I guess, jealousy part that can often kind of come up. Um so yeah, it's, it's 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 just easy to say, but like in practice, it's like like wow, what should we, you know? It's like almost like questioning ourselves every day. It's like what should we do like in this situation? And there's like clearly like things that some of my kids just can't can't bear. They can't stand, and other you know other other ones are you know completely okay with it. So it's, for me, it's like more like adapting to like who they are and making sure that they don't experience. Um, things that like stress them out, and you know, when when I say when I say these kind of things, people are like, "Oh, well, maybe you should just let let, let them suffer, let them experience it," because that's like life experiences. But but the more we've kind of evolved, and it's definitely like been a several year journey. But the more we've evolved, we're just like, um, actually, no, we're, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything that um, I know causes my kids stress in any kind of way. Um, and, you know, people, people don't understand that, you know, and people sometimes say that our kids come across as rude or, you know, stuff like that, but then they're not. They're just, they're just like a little bit, (laughs) they're just them. Um, and yeah, actually it's like my, my, my eldest kid has just, he's 17. Um, so he, he's just recently, like we've known for years, but he's just been, recently like diagnosed as like neurodiverse and ADHD and stuff like that. Um, so we've been through a journey recently, like going through that. Um, he's, he's an amazing, amazing guy. He's, he works out every day. He's like super strong. He's, you know, it's like when he wants something, he go, he goes out and gets it. Um, but like the flip side is that if he doesn't want to do something, he absolutely won't do it. And there's no way to get him to do it. Um, and those are the probably like the kind of behaviors that I'm talking about. It's like this guy is, you know, he's he's amazing, but there's certain situations that if we were to force upon him, it would it it would crumble him, and and you know he you know he needs to be treated in a different way because of that. Um, so yeah, and, and that's a journey as a parent, you know, to 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 go through that, to understand that, to educate your, your, yourself on 
on neurodiversity and all, all the things that come come from it. Um, and it's, pro- it's probably like that experience with him that has made us like be more like empathetic with all our kids and just say, you know, just question like what everything that society is doing and, and, and kind of thinking, um, actually society has probably got it wrong and we're probably doing it right. And, you know, tr- trying to find confidence in, in those decisions. Yeah. And I think that, that willingness to constantly be evolving, which again is one of those things that like, Oh yeah, that sounds nice. Like, Oh yeah, I constantly evolve, you know, but, but day to day, like that's inc- incredibly difficult to have to kind of constantly shift strategies and approaches and uh, be educating yourself and not, not outsource this stuff, right. Mm-hmm. Be, be kind of entrepreneurial in terms of how you're, uh, you're educating, right. Like, um, yeah, it's, man, that's a lot. And then, and so you, you do all this too, on top of, um, you've got a job working at orbit, um, as sort yeah. of a community, um, I don't know you describe it. What, what is your, what is your role there? Um, cause that's relatively new. You, you started working yeah. them recently, right? Yeah. So I've been there like just over a month. Um, my official job title is community lead. Um, but like, I, I guess like I'm like the first like official community hire and they're like a, a startup grown pretty fast. Um, and yeah, my job there is partly because they build kind of like community software. So my job is partly to help build the community for the people who are using the product, but also, um, to help educate people on community building because like, um, I guess the, the, the software is really like flexible in how you can use it and really for them to use it well, we need to be educating people on good, on good com- community building practices. Um, which is basically what I've been doing like, um, most of my career, I guess. Um, and, and that to me is pretty exciting because, and, and, a big part of the reason why I joined is that I just think like the whole community building world needs to have a bit of a revamp bit of energy, like injected into it. Um, so hopefully, you know, I can, I can do something there around that. Yeah. It's so it, it's such an exciting time because n- not to get too broad here historically, but it seems like we, in a lot of ways, for a lot of very good reasons in the last hundred years or so, we've sort of thrown off a lot of traditional ideas, communities and ideas of, of, of communities. Um, but, but now finally there's this point where we're starting to think through, uh, how do we rebuild community? Like how do we actually, instead of inheriting community, how do we build community? How do we create kind of our own communities? Um, and in, in part, I think because of the kind of explosion of technology and, and the internet and, um, Twitter and podcasts and like, and community tools like orbit, like we're, we're able to start doing that. And like, that's so it's, it's one of the fun things about following you online is that like that excitement and the enthusiasm just really rubs off. Like what a cool time to be alive, to be able yeah. to, and it strikes me that what, one of the reasons too, that it's fun to follow you is you're, you're doing community building in so many different ways, right? You are like, we talked about at the beginning, unschooling is community building, right? In, in a lot of ways with kind of an education focus and, and you're, you know, you're, you're a parent and a spouse and you, your little family is a, is a community and you're tending to that. But then you've also, you've, you've got orbit your job there and then you've got your side gig doing Rosie land, um, and kind of teaching other people, um, how to be better community builders. Um, so I, I, I want to kind of bridge into the idea of 
self-care, which is, I almost hate saying that term because it's people throw it around so much and it like, I, I don't know, I, I just have weird associations with that term, but, but it does seem like something that you, like you said, you're always like taking, or you're frequently taking photos of yourself, like going for a run or lifting weights or, or taking a nap, you know, I mean, not <laughs> taking selfies of that, but you're talking about it, right? You're talking about kind of these activities where you are uh, caring for yourself. So I'll shut up here and, and let me just ask you, how do you think about the idea of self-care? Like, what does that mean to you, I guess? Uh, I think, I think to me it's about, um, yeah, it's a good question. Part of it is like staying sane and, you know, um, relatively happy or like not, not down, not feeling too down. Um, and, Part of it, I think, to me, is probably staying true to who I am, which might not seem like self-care, but um, it probably is, I think. Um, so I think, like, for for a long time, I, I've, I've I struggled to do things that I 100% don't believe in. Um, and as the years have gone by, I've, I guess, like, I've been more fortunate enough to, like, be able to have choices in what I do. And I think a lot of that is about like self-care. So um, I guess like typically it's like, uh, yeah. So like, I guess for like the past three, four years, I've been in the position where um, I could, I could say like, like, like I was working at Indie Hackers, but I always knew that, um, you know, I could leave there anytime and I would be okay financially. So having that self-care, that financial safety net, not that we're like rich or anything like that, but we have this safety net that I know that I could quit and, and things would be okay and I would have time to like sort other things out or we could sell something if we were really desperate. You know, like we could sell a, a house that we have, for example, if we were desperate for money. So it's like having that, that, uh, back it, that net to fall back on. I think for me is self care because it it gives it gives me that assurance that if things get bad in a job that I'm at that I could just leave and it would be okay. And actually, that's what I did for indie hackers. Is like I I felt like I needed to leave, so I left and I didn't really have anything lined up. I was just going to like go and do my own thing. But you know, I I, I tried to stay for a while and you know, um, it just like after a while it was just like. No, actually, I just need to leave for, for my for my own health and my own like benefit. Um, so yeah, that's self care. And then you know, I guess that the the other angle is um, is like you know l- looking after yourself. In I think very much in in the way that you're able to. Um, so you know, it's like five kids, job, all of that. It's like it's hard to fit stuff in. Um, and like so when i when i take selfies and photos and share like my my 5 by 5 uh workout session i do that because it motivates me and it's it's kind of like a routine that i've gotten into um i don't do running so much but after every run i used to like take a selfie mostly down at the beach and then post it on instagram and it was just like this this kind of um routine that would kind of help me keep motivated and help me remember how how good I felt like at the end of each workout. So having that reminder is like, for me, it's, it, it just works. You know, I just, it's just something I started doing. It just works as a like, strategy to keep me 
to keep me motivated to to kind of keep showing up. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I, I try lots of things imperfectly, and but I think uh, a lot of it is just really try, trying to like have this routine of do doing my best. I'm far from perfect, but um, yeah, I like I like I like to share stuff because you know it's it's fun. I guess sure. So one of the things I hear a lot from my, um, a lot of my readers and listeners, um, especially women and moms is that they, one of the reasons they struggle with self-care is because they basically feel guilty for taking time to themselves when they could so obviously be giving time and energy and attention to other important people in their life, their kids, their spouses, whatever they're, um, so is have you ever struggled with this, this kind of feeling guilty about carving out time for yourself and for your own self-care? Yeah, uh, all the time. I think I'll, I'll forever feel guilty that I'm not spending enough time with my kids. Um, I don't think there's any way out of that, especially when they're young. Um, I, I give myself a hard time all the time. So like, yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, I like, I like to think of ways to, to have self care whilst I'm with my kids and, so like going running, running with the buggy is like, you know, that's kind of killing two, two birds with one stone kind of thing. I get my, my time to, to exercise and at least one of my kids gets time with me. <laughs> um, and like, you know, after a run, we might like, you know, I might take them out the buggy, um, and, uh, you know, spend, spend a bit of time on the beach together. So it's like a bit of a, you know, win-win. Um, and I think it's like, that's like, been my strategy for for quite a while is like how can i <laughs> spend time with my kids but also like get you know kind of check exercise off <laughs> off my list um, so we've got we've got a garage with weights um and quite often when the weather's all right i kick my two youngest out into the garden and they play for an hour and i do a workout so i'm there kind of listening and watching from from afar but you know I, I get my workout done and sometimes they come and sit and watch me as well. And um, I might feel guilty that I'm not playing with them, but at the same time, I think it's important that they see that I need to do things um, and they will learn by watching and they, they do pick up a lot. Um, my youngest picked up like the smallest weights and was like doing, doing <laughs> exercise. You know, they do that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's wonderful, but it, it takes a kind of courage, right, to be able to um, to do that. Because I think that a lot of the cultural pressure around parenting is this, to my mind, kind of perfectionistic. Like if you're not, you know, gazing into your kid's eyes 24-7, completely attuned and, and attentive to them, you're like, they're going to... They're, they're not going to become, you know, amazing mm. kids and you're a terrible parent. <laughs> but what I, I remember, I think the first time you ever came across my radar was, um, Cortland from Indie Hackers was, was interviewing you on the Indie Hackers podcast and you were taught, I forget what he asked you, but you were talking about how, I think it was something about how do you carve out time, uh, just for work and, and anything when you're, you know, raising and unschooling five kids. And, and you said something where sometimes you'll go to the park, um, and, your kids know that like you're there and you're around, but like you're going to hop on your phone and like do some work and get stuff done. And they just know that that's, that's what mom does. Um, And I, I felt like that is so refreshing to hear (laughs) that you give yourself permission 
to do something like that because it's in a, in a very odd way, like that's super countercultural, right? That yeah. you're, again, you're not constantly playing with the kids while you're there. Um, yeah. But the, I just think that's so, yeah, I think that's so admirable. Is that like, ha, did that, <laughs> has that come naturally to you or is that something that's still like kind of hard, hard to do? Uh, I, th- I think like part of it is like pressure to like, h- how do I get stuff done whilst I have to look after my kids? And that's just like something that I've had to do, like respond to emails like on my phone or do do social media on my phone. Um, uh, you know, like from a business p- perspective as much like, as like a personal one. Um, I think like if you take the perspective of mothers, like um, I, I remember speaking to, to a friend recently and she was like, if we look at the uh, the, the innovations of mobiles, um, and what that has done for women in business or in in careers, it's been life changing for them, because previous to like mobile technology, they were unable to do, get anything done because they would be you know they would have to do it at home on a computer and they wouldn't you know it would be really difficult to to like balance that. But now with mobile technology, they they kind of have a bit of a leg up in in at least appearing to be able to to work um without you know without people knowing that they're actually also looking after the kids um and it's not that it's it's, it's not that it's ideal it's, it's far from perfect but like it's the situation that a lot of women are in it's like the the you know husbands or partners are out working and they they're stuck uh, that's the wrong word but they're with the kids um they would love to you know uh, not, you know, a lot of them would love to like get out and work, and like if them doing it on the phone is is the way to at least take steps towards that, then why not? Why 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 should people like you know shower us with guilt because we we're being almost suppressed by society because we're not given the same opportunities? And then when we do things like this, it's like, is there actually anything wrong with it? It's like no, there isn't. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, so. Yeah, and I actually, you know, talk, talking about this, I actually design activities with kids or going places based around things that they enjoy doing and if I can get work done. So, that, you know, that's... Um, so, like, like pre-COVID, I would often take them to, to like, an indoor play area. And they would run around for two hours, knacker themselves out, have fun. I would, like, order, order some food. I would make sure, like, one of my older kids would come. I would bribe one of my older kids to come so that they could, like, you know... They're a little bit too old for indoor play area, but they'll help out. Um, but it means like I wouldn't have to like worry if they were like somewhere in the corner crying or something like that. <laughs> but you know, those I guess are the strategies that I take. Is like you know, I I, I need to I look for time. You have to like look for 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 the the, the opportunities to work. Otherwise, it becomes like an excuse that. Um, you can't work at all because you're busy all day with kids. Um, yeah. I think that's it. I, I will, I will share that it has been incredibly helpful to me specifically. That story that you told on the podcast about, about doing that, being willing to like be on your phone while your kids are at the park. I, I will admit before that I would frequently see other parents at the park on their phones and, and kind of, if I'm honest, be a little bit judgmental. Like, well, why are you on your phone? Like, put your stupid phone down and like play with your kids, you know? Like, I don't know. I didn't think about it that much. But since you described that, I 
I mean, almost literally every time I go to the park and I see a parent on their phone, the thought crosses my mind like, huh, like maybe she's an indie hacker. Maybe she's like running a side <laughs> project or something, you know, which is a far more like compassionate way of looking at people, I think. So like kudos to you for, for not only doing that, but being willing to talk about it and share just like you do with a lot of your, your selfies when you're going for a run or working out it. I think that it, it gives, it's a model and like gives permission for other people, especially other women and moms. Um, to, to not feel quite so guilty about that and to, to do similar things. Um, and that, so while we're on that topic, I, one thing I wanted to ask you about is it, it seems to me, and you probably have better perspective on this, but it seems to me over the last like year or two in particular, there's been um, more and more kind of um, women in particular um, doing, doing the indie hacky thing, like kind of having side projects, talking about them online, on Twitter, whatever. Um, but, but when you step back, it's still like an incredibly male dominated kind of world. So I'm wondering, like from your perspective, you, you talked about technology uh, being a barrier that finally kind of came down, but like, what do you see as some of the, the bigger like barriers out there for more and more women and moms in particular kind of breaking into this world and being able to sort of do projects and side gigs and, and businesses online um what's like how do we get, yeah. how do we get there it's a big question yeah um, pressure. <laughs> yeah i mean like when i stepped down for indie hackers i was really sad that i wouldn't be the woman there representing the other woman um and yeah that that fills me with sadness because it's like you know everything i do is like you know i you know i i do it for myself as much as i do to show other people that you can, you can succeed, you know, it's like you can build businesses in your own way. And if I'm honest, I think the biggest barrier to like businesses for women is like um, the whole culture of business is very, obviously it's, it's male dominated in like, like physically with men, but it's also male dominated in, in the culture of like how, how businesses are designed uh pretty much uh like how men think businesses should be and the more i i look into it the more i see that actually women are mostly not interested in that and they're not interested in the ego boost they're not interested in like the fake kind of or or or, or the striving to you know get the, get the most followers like you know put out you know boring tweets or threads just to like get get followers they're not interested in that and they 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 roll their eyes and they're like oh not again not again um and you know i think men don't realize that yes sure he's like yes it's fun going for all of that and sure it's great having followers like sure you know i wouldn't say no to to hundred thousand followers on twitter but actually the consequences of white men generally speaking um getting to those points is that they're oblivious to the diversity that other people need um and they preach things like that work for them but don't work for women so they preach practices that are like you know you should do this you should do that you should open your dms um so that you know you'll get a million opportunities if you open up your dms and then women come and say, actually, no, we'll get a, a, a million people harassing us. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's the reality. Um, 
So you know, I I don't I don't have good answers, um, to be honest. But I do know, like I started like indie woman before I I left indie hackers because I saw that like women wanted to connect, but they didn't want to participate on indie hackers. Um, and, and to me, that was interesting. Like it's like why why wouldn't you? And this and it, but you know, in, in hindsight, it's like it's because it's like a competition that they don't want to participate in. It's like this, you know, e- ego thing that goes on, and they're just like not not interested in participating. They want connections, they want support, they want to talk in a more authentic, generally speaking, way. Um, and because of that, like I started Indie Women, which is just like a private like Slack channel. It's got a couple of hundred women in it at the moment, and you know, there's nice, you know, it's not big on discussions. Um, but you know it's, it's def- definitely more vulnerable, um, and we have accountability meetups every couple of weeks. Um, you get five to ten people attending, um, and it's amazing. You know, just like you know, little by little, like having real conversations with women and what they're trying to do. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, of course, you know, I know it will cha- help some people, but. Um, yeah, it just makes me sad that like men can't see it from our perspective, um, and you know, I wish I guess I, I wish that would change somehow. But it's hard to change as well. And I don't know what men should do, but um, yeah, it feels like women are always the ones fighting for it. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I, I I've thought a lot about this because I. Um, <laughs> So do as a therapist, I see it's, it's a pretty, um, well, it's a female dominated field in terms of most therapists are females, but, um, most people who come to therapy are female as well. Uh, it's like, I think it's like 70, 30 or something, at least here, here in the U S. Um, and so I think a, a lot about that, like, why aren't there more men, um, in therapy? Lord knows they have just as many issues <laughs> as women do, but like, why don't they show up as often? Um, and I like I think the the two words that you just um, laid out that I, I think really encapsulate things are kind of this hyper competitiveness that's so baked into a lot of male culture, and and then also um, on the other side of things vulnerability, and and that's really why I'm I'm interested in doing more podcasts like this where instead of the typical like oh Rosie Sherry is amazing and has grown her whatever to this but like how'd you do it Rosie <laughs> tell us about all these awesome things you've done. Um, which is fun and interesting in its own way and can be helpful, you know, to see that. But I'm, I'm kind of more interested in, in vulnerability and like what's hard and like, why is it hard? And like, what do you do when it's hard? And, and so you very kindly have been willing to come on and and talk about some of that stuff. But I'm curious as, as a woman, as, as a mom, as a community builder, as an indie hacker, as a, as an employee, as all these things, but, but especially as someone who really thinks a lot about community and how to create and foster healthy communities, how, how do you, like, how would you approach helping a community to be more vulnerable? Like if vulnerability was a virtue you aspired to, like, how, how do you help a particular community move a little bit in that direction, do you think? Yeah. Um, well, it, you know, it comes down to being human. And I think, like, if we take the... The indie woman perspective, like the, the accountability meetups we have, um, people, you know, get, get, you know, are, are really vulnerable. They open up. Um, and I think like 
it's you know I think it's because it's like we show up. Um, there's a few of us that show up regularly. There's a few of us that um, have formed that that connection over time. And there's no, there's no none of this. Is like we got, we got to grow. We got to you know you're a number. It's like it's like you know we're just a community of people trying you know trying to help each other out and trying to connect in in a real way. Um, and I, I, you know, that's how I grew Ministry of Testing. You know, I grew that to seven figures, like with that same philosophy as like where, where people, you know, I'm trying to do the best I can for everyone. I'm trying to be authentic and genuine. I'm not like trying to apply like these crappy like sales and growth tactics as I genuinely want to bring value and help as much as I can to, to the community. And that, and that came across. In, in many ways, and then people pick up on that, and they, and they adopt the same kind of culture, and then that, that that kind of has helped that helped the the business grow. And these are the kind of things that I think was like is that is that like more of a female way of um, building a business? Is it female or not? I don't know, but it's the way that I've done it, and it's the way that I see other people don't do it. Um, like you know, it's like you know, I've I never spent money on on marketing or advertising for Ministry of Testing. It was all community-focused, 100% community-focused. Um, and, and that's kind of like why I often reject a lot of like the growth the growth practices. It's like, this, this doesn't feel right. I don't enjoy doing it. I don't, like, you know, enjoy getting into any of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess going back to the main point, it's like um, connecting with people is like, I think, I think everybody needs that now. Absolutely everybody. But no one, no one's willing to, to admit it. I need it. You know, I'm not connected locally as much as I should be. And I, I have no issue admitting that. You know, so I, I have lots of friends on Twitter. I, I love having conversations like this. You know, I do indie woman stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people know me. I'm getting to know more people, but locally I've, I've like completely failed and I should be doing better. Mm. Um, yeah. When you when you say you, you don't kind of go in for a lot of those typical kind of growth tactics when it comes to building a community or a business, and, and instead you just focus on connection, I think my guess would be that, um, I mean, you have an intuitive sense for what that means and what it means to uh, to cultivate a community by prioritizing vulnerability and connection. But I my sneaking suspicion is that a lot of um, my team, <laughs> so to speak, doesn't actually know what that means. Hmm. Like literally, they hear, that's like a nice word. Like, oh yeah, connect. Okay, whatever. I'm going back to my, like, how do I ramp up my <laughs> follower count or whatever. Yeah. So what, I don't know if you, if you have to kind of play dumb with yourself and like, what is, and it might sound really stupid to you because it's so obvious, but what does that actually look like when you're in a community and you're, you're trying to help it grow? Um, you, you emphasize connection or being human or like what what's a tangible example of that just some super specific thing you might do that would foster that kind of connection and and humanity yeah um well i had a conversation with a guy yesterday um it's probably a good example he's <laughs> he followed me on indie hackers and and now that i'm in orbit he's he's followed me to orbit and he's like checking out orbit um and he, he, you know, he he just like expressed his excitement um, for for like 
you know, an appreciation for like everything that I've done. And he's really excited about like exploring orbit, generally speaking. Um, and, you know, I could tell that, you know, he obviously like, you know, I, I feel like uncomfortable. Obviously, like he's a fan, but, you know, he, he kept reaching out. So I was like, well, let's chat, you know. And so we chatted and like the whole conversation was like, not about me. You know, I was constantly just like asking, like, well, what are you doing? What are you up to? How can I help you? Um, how can, how can we, how can, how, how can I use what I have available to me right now, um, as Rosie or as Orbit? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even matter, um, to, to help you out. And what, what can we do that will kind of lift your spirits up or help you take that next step to be where you want to be? So the whole conversation, I, you know, I was basically looking for opportunities of how I, how I could help him. Um, that aligned with the things that I was kind of thinking of or, or doing. So it's like, you know, obviously only so much you can do, but I think like the things that you end up doing to help people need to align with the things that you're already doing. Um, just, you know, for efficiency's sake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's like a typical example is just like, you know, pe- people are seeking help. They're seeking conversation and, um, really kind of like, and I guess not being scared to like ask questions is like, well, what do you want help with? It's like, you know, are you, where are you stuck? Are you, you know, or, you know, maybe saying like, um, would it help if I did X, Y, Z? Like trying to be like specific, um, with points to encourage people to, ask, you know, ask for that help as well, because I think it's hard for people to say, is it actually, yes, I do need help or, um, I have no friends. Um, help me get more friends. You know, it's hard for people to say that. Yeah, that okay. So even there, in what you've described, like there's, I'm like it's going through, but there's so many cool pieces in there. Like just your your willingness to be to be open and just have a conversation that isn't like hyper goal directed. Like I'm gonna have this conversation and then we're gonna we're gonna like put together this partnership and we're gonna do this. Like no, we're just gonna chat. <laughs> we're just gonna chat and like get to know each other a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, and then some like authentic curiosity, just like, hmm, like what, what, what's this guy's deal? Like what, what's he interested in, you know? Um, and then some like helpfulness, like <laughs> not, <laughs> not like just like the, in a very plain way, like, huh? Yeah. Like what would help move the needle a little bit um, yeah. for this guy that kind of lines up with some of my interests and a big part. I like how you said too, like specificity, like just being really particular because in, in a lot of ways, I think a lot of us are afraid to be specific about what we want or what we need. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, even, even I am, you know, I, I, I would feel awkward. like asking for help. You know, I'm still bad at that. And I, I think part of it, part of this is actually like recognizing, I guess, within yourself, these things and then applying it to other people to help them, but, but not so much helping myself. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, I guess like quite often I recognize in myself that I need help, but instead of like necessarily helping myself, I apply that to like helping other people. You know, I know like I give myself a, you know, a hard time over things when I shouldn't, um, stuff like that, you know, it's like, but I'm aware of it. So it's like, <laughs> um, it's, you know, it all works out in the end, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, well, speaking of giving yourself a hard time, one of the questions I like to ask in, in, in these conversations is, 
for for people who who follow you and and maybe admire you from far on Twitter or, or, or wherever, what is a what's a I don't know fear insecurity you have as a creator that would surprise a lot of those people people who kind of know again sort of know you. <laughs> from afar like what and if you're uncomfortable with it that's okay but like, is there is there something that would surprise people about you know rosie as a creator oh i don't know i hate public speaking um but i'm okay like <laughs> virtually so that's like something that i've discovered like, i've done like um yeah so I, I refuse to do any public speaking for years um, and still, like getting up in front of a room, I I, I would probably reject the idea of. Um, I think it's the thing of like people look, like looking at me like in real life that I just like um, do not like at at all. Um, but like COVID and all this virtual stuff recently, I've done like loads of podcasts, loads of talks, and I'm I'm fine with it actually. I'm trying to like find my way of doing it. Um, and like finding my way of preparing talks, which is not a very organized way either. I just, you know, I don't practice. I don't do anything. I just like create some slides and, and kind of hope for the best. Um, but you know, I've tried other ways of like, <laughs> you know, being more organized about those kind of things. And I just like, um, I, I can't do it. So m- most, most of everything I do is like on the fly with a, with a little bit of slide preparation sometimes um but yeah i mean i say i'm you know i definitely lack confidence and give myself a hard time in in lots of things like uh, you know even starting this new job has been quite tough for me you know new environment new it's my first proper job in in many many years um so, you know, so I give myself a hard time a lot about that. It's like, am I doing enough? You know, I should have done more this week and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. You know, people don't see that. And, you know, my husband does. And he tells me <laughs> to stop giving myself such a hard time. But, you know, you know, definitely, you know, it's like, yeah, comparing myself to others, I guess. Like, should I be doing more? You know, it's like, am I doing enough? Yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing. I think just just sharing that in itself is really um, is really helpful. Actually, I think to a lot to a lot of people just to hear that that kind of vulnerability and just mm. to I don't know you don't, you don't have to do anything. You just just knowing that there are other people out there who struggle just like you do, like we, you know, yeah. comparing and being on ourselves. And... I th- I think it makes it a bit tougher if you like. I guess like you know I, I've gotten to the stage where people like fangirl me and stuff and. Um, get really excited and then it almost puts more pressure on me to kind of do a better job of what I'm doing or you know if people say oh no you're doing fine you're doing wonderful it's like you know it's like um, actually you don't know if I am Um, you just have this like outside perception but like in reality like I'm juggling a million different things and I feel like I'm not doing well at any of them because i'm juggling so much well and that's that that's got to be back to that kind of hyper competitive but sort of superficially um that that i don't know maybe kind of hyper masculine approach to all this which is where oh yeah like rosie's killing it on twitter so she must be doing super well in all areas of her life (laughs) (laughs) nonsense like that's so ridiculous right but you would 
that's what you're going to think if you don't have this other level of more intimate, like real communication and connection with somebody, yeah. right? Like you just yeah. assume their well-being is literally reflected in their like increasingly fast, like follower growth on Twitter, <laughs> which sounds so stupid even saying it, but like, it's not that uncommon that that's kind yeah. of how we think. Yeah. And you know, I think it's easy to get carried away with all of that and the, the push for growth, the push for Twitter followers, the push for all of those kind of things. It's like, um, I really, I really like don't want to push that. Um, and I'm, tr I'm trying my best to like, you know, I'm probably not, you know, I wish I was better at like communicating like the downside of things or the struggles. Um, I try to sometimes, but I think I probably do it more in conversations like this rather than on Twitter and like podcasts. I'm not, I'm not afraid to, um, just say things as, as, <laughs> as I see them. Um, and people note that, I think, and, um, you know, I've, I've gotten, like, you know, I guess like the Indie Hackers podcast, I've gotten, you know, good feedback on that. Um, I did one actually, um, with my current boss, um, and I got, you know, good feedback on that. Just like, you know, how, how genuine and just real that I am and like the, the, the things I talk about are different from the way other people talk about it and they can like, appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to do more of that on Twitter because I think Twitter is like, you know, um, quite powerful as well. And so like doing more of that, I think, on there would probably not not necessarily be great for me, but I think just like showing more of that vulnerability on Twitter would be better for everyone. Um, and, and like if I if I can grow my Twitter following be, being like that, then I think that would be amazing. And I, I want and I think that's probably what I'd love to see more of. It's like people growing for being authentic rather than people growing because they're trying to be clever. And there's, I think there's a big, big difference in that. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely uh, something I'm like, okay, definitely yeah. need to work on this myself. <laughs> um, well, Rosie, I know, I mean, I, I wouldn't have had you on if this wasn't the case, but you've been just really inspiring to me, um, especially as, you know, as a woman, as, as a parent, like as an indie hacker, like all this, like I just really resonate with your, and, and your kind of aspiration to be more vulnerable. Um, let me close out by just asking who are some, who are some women out there online who really inspire you kind of in our space of sort of indie hacking and, and doing online business and, um, who, who, anyone who kind of comes to mind? Oh, I hate these questions. <laughs> Sorry. You can, you can pass yeah. if you want, but you know, you know what? I, I, I might, I might pass because I, I don't like people, f um, following me mindlessly. And I've said this a few times, but, um, and it's probably come up m more apparently and recently with, um, things like, uh, DHH stuff, base camp stuff that's gone on recently. Um, where people follow other people almost, almost blindly. Um, and I, I, I don't, you know, as much as I love people following me and like, you know, you know, just like, I guess, consuming the stuff that I, I put out, um, I, I, I discourage the, the idea of following individuals and instead of following individuals, follow like, um, 
missions or goals or visions that people have. It's like work, work towards something that you believe in rather than people, because I think people, um, you know, you just, you, you, they're imperfect and I'm imperfect and maybe right now I'm doing good things, but, you know, who knows what, what I might end up doing in the future that people don't like and, um, you know, I don't know. I think, yeah, humans are very, you know, they change over time. Whereas, I guess, goals and visions, they kind of stay a bit more consistent. So if you, if you can follow a vision of, like, building better communities, you know, do that. I'm down for that. And, like, doing it together, I'm down for that, you know. <laughs> but as, as me, you know, anyone who's, like, you know, I, I, I just think you get, can get blinded to one person's perspective. And I think increasingly, especially now, it really annoys me that it's like these uh, people with big followings obviously have their own personal interests and then they put out messages to, for, for their own personal gain, which I can understand and which is fair enough, but quite often people don't see that um, side of things. So, you know, you know, they might give a recommendation for, you know, I don't know, like an approach for education, for example, but you don't know that they've actually invested in the company that they're trying to like preach about, and 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 they actually actively like um, talk neg- negatively about ev- any other approach because it suits them. Um, so you know, the, it's, it's those kind of things. It's like, um, yeah, follow follow missions and visions. That's a better way. Thanks, Rosie. This has been great. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Minds and Mics. If you haven't done so already, I'd appreciate it if you took one minute to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out a lot. And if you've already done that, please consider sharing Minds and Mics with a friend or family member you think would enjoy it. As always, thank you for continuing to support the show, and we'll see you next time.